enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today is a big day. So it's Monday. Thank you for listening to this episode. Tomorrow is the first official episode of Road to the Olympic Trials. So this first episode is going to feature Parker Stinson. He has a big announcement to make tomorrow, and that podcast is going to be part of it. He's making a big announcement uh, in that podcast. So if you aren't subscribed yet, go subscribe. It's on all of the relevant podcast platforms. Just type in Road to the Olympic Trials. It will come right up, and you'll be able to hear all the good stuff coming out of that feed. So With that being said, this episode of the Rambling Runner podcast is with Molly Cuevas. Molly just ran across the country. You heard that right. She ran across the country. This is a woman who um, played field hockey in college, was an All-American many times over, just a fantastic athlete with a very limited running background, and who just a couple years out of college decides to get this done and raise money for a, you know, just it's a really, really uh, high quality organization in the Challenged Athlete Foundation. I can't wait for you to hear this. Molly did something amazing. She's extremely humble. It, it was it was so funny to me to talk to Molly because if you just listen to her talking, it's almost as if she didn't do something that crazy or that remarkable or that wonderful. But I think we all know different. This was an absolutely incredible adventure that she went on. Not many people could do it. And just hearing her talk about it makes you realize pretty quickly that there's a lot more in store for Molly. And that if she can approach this with this sort of like level-headed, humble nature, man, this woman could do anything. <laughs> I really believe it. And I think you're going to really like this episode. Before we get into it, let's talk about Tune-Up CBD. I love this company. I love this brand. It was started by a runner who was having challenges uh, kind of, kind of handling the marathon load. So she was you know, had bumped up her, her mileage, was having issues being able to maintain it. Uh, her family farm switched over, uh, started producing CBD. She started using CBD, and it was part of the reason that now she's she's doing really well. And you know, inflammation is not as much of an issue, and she's just really happy with her performance and with how Tune Up CBD has affected her. And I use it too. For the same reason, and I use it, and I love it. So give them a look, tuneupcbd.com. Use code RAMBLINGRUNNER to save some extra dough. You're going to like it. I guarantee it. It's, it's definitely a worthy investment in yourself and in your performance. There's two different products you can use. They're coming out with a third soon, so give that a look. But in the meantime, there are two products. There is the oil you can use, which is just kind of like an eyedropper or source, just a dropper you put in your mouth use um that's what i use every morning and sometimes twice a day and they also have a balm that you can rub on a certain area that if it's bothering you it's it's uh it really is a nice feature i have another runner of mine who's a doctor who's been on this podcast a couple of times who prefers to use this use this over ibuprofen so give it a shot tuneupcbd.com with that said i hope you enjoy this episode with molly cuevas Molly, thank you for joining me on the Rambling Runner podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. My goodness, Molly, what an amazing spring and early summer you have had. You literally just ran across the country. If I had told 14-year-old Molly Cuevas that, that, that 
you know, 10 years later, she'd be doing this. What would 14 year old version of you say? Um, no way. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> yeah. So what what are some of the reasons that 14 year old Molly would say that? Well, I was never really a runner. Um, 14 year old me, what well, I was a freshman in high school and I was a soccer player and I mean, I liked to run. Um, obviously you have to run in soccer, but I was never a distance runner. So I think the longest I may have ran was five miles at that time. God, so you were into soccer at that point. I know you were a multi-sport athlete. You ended up playing field hockey in college. So when did the field hockey bug kind of take over for you? Um, so I was introduced to field hockey, uh, my sophomore year of high school. So I, played that year and then yeah and then I was doing soccer and field hockey and then um just decided to go with field hockey in college because it was kind of new and more interesting I had pl been playing soccer my whole life so yeah last minute I made the decision to do field hockey instead of soccer yeah yeah and you really kicked butt you played in a d2 school on Long Island Adelphi and three-time All-American Four-time academic mm -hmm. All-American, set and broke numerous uh, records for your team in your school. Obviously, you had a wonderful career. How, how much of uh, your recruiting process or playing sports in college affected your college decision? Um, well, I mean, it affected it all. Like, um, yeah, I was getting recruited for soccer and then last minute, you know, went field hockey. So it was very last minute. Um, but New York was a goal of mine. So yeah, Delphi was, ended up being a great place to go. Um, yeah, and I really enjoyed it. I bet. So have sports been a big part of your life since as long as you can remember? Oh yeah. I've always been, you know, outside playing, whether it was organized or just, you know, in the street, um, with my brothers and, you know, other neighborhood kids. Um, yeah, it definitely helped me, you know, grow and become who I am today. Now, how old are your brothers? Um, so my older brother, he actually just turned 27 a couple of days ago. And then um, Matthew, my little brother, he is 21. So we're all pretty close in age. Got it. So you're, you're the middle child. Were you guys really competitive with each other? Extremely. <laughs> Yeah, always a competition. Didn't matter what we were doing. <laughs> and did you live in one of those neighborhoods where there were just kids everywhere playing sports? Yeah. Yeah. My older brother, Jake, he actually was, he would like organize like hockey games and baseball games and stuff. So like all the kids would come to our street and then we'd have this like full blown game going on. So it was really fun. Oh, that is, I grew up in one of those neighborhoods too. And then we end up moving away and it was like heartbreaking because those like the spontaneousness of those games, like it makes it for sure. And like to have so many kids around, it's like you don't realize what you have until you don't have it anymore. But it really can be like a magical experience. Yeah, it was. And obviously, you know, I grew up that way. But looking back on it, I really appreciate it because like you said, you don't realize what you have um, until it's gone and. Yeah, I just, they're very fond memories and I, I won't ever forget them. So when you were finishing up at Adelphi and obviously you were a decorated college athlete, what did you think was your future in athletics at that point? 
Well, when I was finishing up, I did have this idea of running across the country. Um, I athletic wise, I wasn't going to go play professional or um, be on the Olympic team anywhere because that's Olympics is like the only place you can go for field hockey. So I knew that was kind of done. Um, and I accepted that. I was fine with that. Um, so athletic wise, it was just going to be, you know, adult leagues and just whatever you can do, you know, with your friends. But I did have this goal of running across the country. So that's what I kind of focused my mind on, um, once I moved home. So when did this idea of running cross country get started? Um, I got the idea my senior year. Um, and at that point, I, I wasn't going to be moving home just yet. I did one more year, um, to finish up my masters. So yeah, I had like a year of just thinking about it in my master's year. And then once I decided to really make it a reality, I, yeah. So when I moved home, I started planning and looking into, you know, running more and yeah, just making it happen. So let's talk about the beginning of this idea. Because mm -hmm. just like what, how did the first, like just, just the evolution of the idea itself, you just take me back to how, you know, just the germination process and the motivating factors and, you know, people that you've seen do it, or it's just, just the little things that kind of like got this small idea and kept like fading the flames until it became a big idea. Yeah. So I had heard of people running across the country in like for a foundation in groups. And so like each person would run a certain leg of it. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, you know, all raising funds and awareness for a cause and it inspired me, but I, I knew that like me being me and always wanting to challenge myself, um, that I would want to run the entire way. So I wouldn't want to just run a leg. I'd want to do all of it. So that idea popped into my head. And then I kind of kept it to myself for a little bit. And then I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it because I didn't really know if I was physically capable, um, when I would actually do it, you know, the logistics, it just all kind of seemed crazy. And then one day, it just something clicked in me and I, I told my mom and then she said, well, if you're saying it out loud, then that means you're going to do it. So, um, right away she was on board to be part of the crew. And what a response from her. What a response. Is, is that was is that something that was ingrained in your family by your folks in terms of like being goal driven or did, was this just a reaction of hers because she knows how you are? I mean, my family were definitely goal driven, um but me personally, I think that was her response for me. Um I don't say something and not do it. So if I'm like really serious about it and I say it, I follow through. And yeah, so that was kind of her response to me. Um, but yeah. Wow. So that, so when you said it to her, that for all intents and purposes made it, Hey, this is happening. Period. Mm hmm. Okay. So yeah, when you that, made at that, that point, we didn't know when or yeah, okay. when or we didn't know, but she said, whenever you decide to do it, I'm on board. All right. So you have it ingrained in your head. You're like, all right, I'm doing this. What happens next? What are the next steps in terms of figuring out the logistics and who you're doing it for and all that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then once I knew that I was going to do it, um, 
I didn't know what foundation yet, but I knew that I wanted to run for people with physical disabilities just because, you know, sports have been such a huge part of my life and I couldn't really imagine not having access to them. So I just wanted to make sure everyone was included and had that opportunity, you know, if they wanted it. So I just started doing my research and Challenged Athletes Foundation was always the number one that would pop up. And I kind of kept it on the back burner only because they're based out of San Diego and I'm in San Jose, which is seven hours north. And so I kind of wanted something more local that I could get really involved in while I was training. Um, but nothing was really clicking with me. And I, it just, I kept coming back to CAF, kept coming back. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give them a call. And if it goes well, then I'm going for it. And right away, I, the, their response was incredible. And I, I felt like I knew them like already. And yeah, it was just the perfect fit. And they checked really all the boxes and then some. So from then on, it was CAF all the way. And yeah, never looked back. And what drew you to the challenge and disabled athlete um, sector? Um, what drew me to CAF specifically? Not, not CAF specifically, but obviously you looked at them. They came to you because you were researching, you know, challenged and disabled athletes, right? Like you mentioned, like they kept mm-hmm. popping up when you were searching in that genre. So what about that genre itself, you know, drew you to it? Well, I mean, the fact that, you know, there are people out there who aren't able-bodied and, you know, fully capable of playing sport. And it's not because they're not able to or they're not athletic. It's because they literally don't have the equipment necessary to make that possible. So what CAF does is they provide grants that, you know, gives that, you know, the prosthetics, the the wheelchair needed, um, whatever it may be to play sport and, you know, be active and be part of a community. And cause for me, sports, you know, yes, playing was great, but, um, it really helped me, you know, build my self-confidence, um, be motivated more in school, um, helped with any like mental health issues, you know, that were going on. So it was kind of more than the sport. And so CAF, you know, provides all of that. And, um, I just thought, you know, giving someone that opportunity would make me feel good. And I just think it's very important to have that. Yeah. And I was checking them out uh, in preparation for this conversation. And when I think about challenged athletes, my mind immediately goes to younger athletes. I can't tell you why that is. It's just like, that's my initial inclination. So it was interesting to see that they give it, I think it was last year, they gave one of their grants out to like an 83-year-old athlete. They really kind of span the the age groups on this. Yeah, and that's actually another reason why I was really drawn to them because, you know, so often um, things like this are geared more towards children, um, which is awesome. But, you know, you could be, you know, 35 or 60, whatever it may be, and be in a tragic accident or get sick and lose a limb. And then where do you go? So CAF, yeah, really doesn't discriminate um, age-wise. And they're there for everyone. They have an awesome veteran program. So 
Yeah, it's it's really amazing, and I don't do it justice talking about it. So anyone listening should really go onto their website and look at their videos and everything because it's it's truly amazing. And I every day, yeah, I learn something new, and yeah, I just get even deeper into it. All right, so let's talk about your training. So you were, as I mentioned several times now, you were an accomplished college athlete, but you played in a sport that's that's you know not similar at all to what you accomplished in this endeavor, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're doing a sport, which is, you know, you're, you're running, but it's much more like an interval workout, right? It's quick sprints and then, sl- and then, and you're moving and then another quick sprint and then you're moving a lot of side to side and you know, you have, you know, strong legs and a strong back because you're constantly bending over. Uh, field hockey is just a very taxing sport, but it's obviously very mm-hmm. different than running, you know, the equivalent of like one or two marathons per day, which is a whole another <laughs> thing. So how did you get ready for for this? Well, so yes, prior to all of my training, I'd never even run a marathon. So I started off actually just going out and running a marathon. And I didn't really train. Um, and it kicked my butt. And that really put it into perspective, the training that I would need, you know, to take this on. So I hired a running coach, Bree Sanders. Um, she's an ultra marathoner in the area. And she had never trained anyone for this before, but she's extremely successful in her sport. And we bonded, like we clicked right away. So, um, yeah, we trained for about a year and started off with a very low mileage. Like I think my long run was eight miles when I started out. Um, her goal was to one, not injure me at all during training. And then two, just build a really strong base. So that's kind of what we did from the beginning. And we just kept building mileage, 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 and then strength, strength training, of course. But yeah, just building that aerobic base and then, um, growing from there. So what did the mileage end up peaking at during that year buildup? The longest I ran was 31 miles. So I never actually ran 40 at all in training. Okay. And what would like a, um, say, say the, the, the most intense six week period or so, how much, how many mm-hmm. miles were you doing per week and what would it look like just from a daily running schedule perspective? Oh gosh. Per week, I think I was getting up to. I want to say like 170. Whoa. Um, yeah. But so weekly, so I'd meet with Bree once a week and then, um, she'd give me a whole running plan until I saw her again. So each week there would be a tempo day. So just like a fast, shorter distance. There would be a long, slow run, which I would do on the weekend. There would be just a run for time. And just kind of go by feel. And then always like a gym, gym day. And then I'd be doing Pilates throughout all of this too, um, on my own. And then I'd have an off day. So, I mean, that was kind of like the consistency. Um, the times, the, the distances all changed, but that's kind of what a week would look like. Um, but yeah. So what, what was the thinking about? making sure that you were getting the strength work and kind of the cross trading aspect. Just to have a completely um like just strong body, a lot of core, strong core, 
um, just because, you know, you're just going to be grinding all day. So if I went in with a strong body, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably be pretty good. So, and it worked out. <laughs> I never really yeah. got seriously injured. Wow. So that's, that's a testament to the work you put in and certainly the schedule that Bree put together. The fact that you were able to do this without getting serious injury, um, is remarkable. And I can't wait to talk to you just about how you were feeling during the, during the, uh, during the, the, the event. What do you call it? I keep calling it an event. What, what did you call this, this, this adventure? Um, the run. <laughs> the run. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> just the, the run. four and a half month run. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, so let's talk about the logistics of um, just like your your team, how you were, how they were traveling with you, and you know, you know, in terms of like going from spot to spot, you know, how, you know, when when you were running, where they were, and you know, what was it, was it, you know, carting your gear around and all of that. Like, how, what did you set up before the trip got started in terms of how all of that would be done? So yeah. My mom, she drove an RV. So we had like a little Cruise America RV. And then we had our dog, Mayor. Um, so she was with us the entire time. And then one of my best friends, Whitney, she was with us a majority of the time, the first and the third month. Um, so basically they would, we would kind of leapfrog. So she'd go up and then, you know, I'd pass it and then they'd stay back and then I'd run some miles and then they would drive ahead. So kind of what was best for them on whatever road we were on, they would just like pull over. Um, but that worked out well. Cause if I needed them, I would just like hop in, you know, refill on water, snacks, go to the bathroom, whatever. And then if I didn't, I just pass them. So we had a pretty good system. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what we did the entire time. Oh, that's nice. So was there, were there any, any car troubles going across the country? Mm, well, <laughs> we kind of got saved a couple of times. So my mom just on a hunch, you know, went into this random little car service station just to get the tires checked out and there was a nail in the tire. So if she hadn't gone, we probably would have had some serious car trouble. Um, but they caught that early. So we got, we dodged that bullet. Um, trying to think what else. We never ran out of gas. Um, yeah. I mean, now that I think about it, we really didn't. We didn't get stuck anywhere. Um, yeah, that was pretty lucky, I guess. I would say so because you went through some pretty crazy weather this spring. We did. Yeah. We went through a lot of rain, a lot of thunderstorms, tornadoes. Um, yeah, we got really lucky. All right. So let, let's go to like the night before you, you set out, uh, in Santa Monica. What were the, what were the things that were, you know, had you most scared about this run versus, and what were some of the things that had you most excited about it? Well, I was nervous about getting hurt because I've never really been injured before. And I knew that Brie had prepared me. Um, I didn't doubt our training for a second, but obviously you just never know what's going to happen. So just that kind of unknown, um, left me a little uneasy. Um, but overall I was excited. I wasn't, you know, scared. Um, it was more like a nervous excitement. So I was most excited to just like the people that I would meet. I knew that I would be running with 
um, some CAF athletes along the way. So just who I would meet there, um, kind of hear their story, their journey, how CAF impacted their life, um, and just learning more about the cause because you never know enough. So just how I would, you know, grow that um, in my life. And yeah, and, and that was one of the best parts, I think, was just get growing closer and closer um, with CAF. So you had never run 40 miles in a day prior to starting this. And what was the average scheduled running time per day when you, when you first set out the schedule? The average running time. So I started off faster. And then obviously, as I got late, like closer and closer to the end, I was adding on time. But I started off running in about seven, seven hours. Um, and then towards the end, I was averaging more around like nine hours. Right, right. And, and did you have certain goals that you wanted to like get to by certain days? Like how, how would you judge, I guess, like when to stop running or like whether like a certain day was a good day versus like, all right, we need to pick it up or what, you know, what when you were trying to just go from day to day, did you have to make any of those kinds of decisions or are you a little bit more carefree about, you know, what happened each day? No, I was actually like on a set schedule. I had an end date in mind, June 29th. And every day I was like, okay, what do I need to do today? So at first I was kind of concerned with how much time I was running just because, you know, the amount of time I was spending on my legs. So I was trying to get it done quick. And in the beginning I was able to do that just because I was so fresh. But then as time went on, I started, my body started to break down and it was hurting. It was sore. I was going slow. Um, actually had a bit of an Achilles injury for a little bit. And then with some treatment, um, one day it actually, it went away. I don't know, like overnight. And I don't know how that happened, but just kind of worked through that. And then once that happened, I, it was kind of just like, a like a moment where I was like, okay, you can't worry about how long you're running anymore. You just have to do what is comfortable and just get what you can done each day. Um, obviously hitting the mileage, but if I didn't hit it one day, then I just added on to another. So I, I tried to stop being so hard on myself in that way. And I knew that, you know, if I didn't get it one day, I would do it the next. And that's kind of how I went out about with the entire journey. And when, what was the mileage per day you were trying to hit? Um, so it started off where I wanted to do 40 a day. And then once my Achilles injury happened, we, as a team, we reassessed and cause if I did 40 a day, I would have ended early. So we reassessed and then we started doing, um, 40, 40, 40, 35, 30. So I'd kind of like taper down and then go back to running forties. And then by the end of it, I was ahead on, I was ahead of schedule. So then I only had to run like 35 um, to 30 miles a day. So it was kind of all, all over the place, but my average mileage per day was about um, 37, 37 miles. Whew. All right. So you started Santa Monica, you know, one of the, you know, not the first thing because you takes, it takes, you know, I'm sure, you know, a while to get there. But what was it like running through the Rocky Mountains? I actually didn't go through Colorado. Oh, you did not? Oh, okay. Um, no. So I 
I specifically avoided Colorado um, just because of the elevation. So I went more southern and went through like Arizona, New Mexico, and then worked my way up from there. God, you know what? Know what I did? I was looking at the map that was on your website. And I'm thinking back. Yeah, that's that's not direct. Yeah, that's not like a, that's not a representation. I think I put on there like not to scale, but yeah, people still get confused. Sorry. Yeah, including this guy. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, was there a specific day that you remember that was some of the hardest terrain that you ran on, either just because of the hills and topography or because of the weather? Oh gosh, there are a lot of days that stick out. Um, so really hilly was in Arizona. I think it was, um, Fountain Hills, I believe it was called was the area. And that was kind of around the time that my Achilles was still lingering. And so all of the hills and the up and down, it, it was tough. And then of course there was a bunch of rain in the Midwest. So I feel like in Kansas, all it did was rain. And then Missouri is where we got hit with all the tornadoes. So there were two different occasions where we were only a mile away from where like the real devastation was. So we got really lucky both times. Um, but that was probably the hardest to run through just because I had to run through all of it. And it was just sad and you could just like feel it in the air that just people were had lost so much. Um, and then as you get farther east, um, the less of a shoulder you have. So I was running with no shoulder for basically a a month, month and a half. But yeah, I mean, everywhere I ran, there was something that happened. Um, but overall it was, it was all good. Now, did you feel any internal pressure to try to document as much as possible, considering this is such an amazing journey you were on? A little bit. Um, cause I'm usually not one to like talk to my camera and post stories of like what I'm doing during the day. I've like never done that in my life, but I kind of started doing it, um, on my Instagram and then I got a really positive response and people were telling me that they loved it and that, you know, they would go on specifically just to watch what I was doing that day. So I kind of felt like I, I needed to do it and days there were days that I enjoyed doing it. And then there were days where I didn't want to do it. Um, and I didn't, I like kind of laid low on social media for a couple of days and I got all these messages like, are you okay? Or we haven't seen you post anything. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm just tired and trying to get through the day. <laughs> but I mean, overall, like, you know, people are interested. So I tried to put as much as I could out there, um, without messing up with my, my mental, mental side. Right. Cause that's the big part too, for you, I'm sure is, was the recovery aspect. Like you mentioned that you were running seven to time, seven to nine hours per day. So let's just, let's just go through the daily schedule. If you wouldn't mind, like in terms of like, like wake up, wake up call, uh, what you did before the run. And then like, you know, you skip through the run and then like what you would do post run. Yeah. So I'd wake up, um, about an hour and a half before I actually would start running. Um, sometimes two hours and then I'd roll out, I'd eat breakfast. I'd eat about a thousand calories at breakfast. What, what does a thousand calorie breakfast look like? Um, so I would eat a bagel and cream cheese. I would have an egg, 
some sausage. I'd have Pedialyte. Um, and then something else, whether it was like oatmeal or cereal. Sometimes I would eat pie for breakfast. Um, kind of whatever was just around. If we had like leftovers or something I'd pick at, but yeah, that would add up to about a thousand each morning. And then, yeah, then I'd continue, um, like doing some more rollouts and stretching and start running. So running most of my day. And then when I was done, I'd immediately, um, get my ice into an ice bucket and I'd ice for about 20 minutes. How much of your body were you icing? Um, just my feet. If I needed it somewhere else, like my knees or anything like for that day, I would, but I was mainly just icing my feet. Um, so then at this point we'd be driving to like an RV park or to get dinner and I'd be icing my feet. And then we'd get to the RV park, we'd get connected to the power and I had rapid reboot recovery boots and hip attachments. And so I'd do the hips for about 20 minutes. I would switch out and do the boots for 30 minutes. And I'm doing all this while eating just to, you know, two birds, one stone. Um, and then I would get massaged every night by my mom and Whitney. So they'd like massage out my legs. And then I'd shower sometime in between that and go to bed. <laughs> and that was my day every single day. All right. So that your, your breakfast was, was like fascinating. Cause first of all, it was enormous. I can't even imagine like moving <laughs> for five hours after eating that big of a breakfast. And obviously like for you, that's the point. Like you gotta, you gotta fuel up and you know, you also have to recover from the previous day. So what does dinner usually look like? Dinner? Well, yeah. So we'd eat out most nights, just get like takeout. So I'd order it and then just eat in the RV. Um, but a staple for me was like a cheeseburger with bacon. And then I love breakfast for dinner. So eggs and like pancakes or French toast. Um, what else? We'd have spaghetti if we were cooking in. We'd, um, spaghetti was easy and meat sauce. And then a dessert. I'd have like one or two desserts a night. <laughs> so kind of whatever we had brownies, pie. Um, oh, I really enjoyed mac and cheese on this trip too. A lot of mac and cheese. Oh, it's so easy to make too. Yeah, so good. So, what was what was it like dealing with the monotony of three months every day being you know pretty similar to the day before in terms of the schedule? Um, it was good and it was bad. I'm I kind of thrive on routine, so in that case, um, it was kind of nice. Like I knew what I had to do, when I was going to do it, what it should look like. So. I mean, that was kind of nice in a way. Um, sometimes it would be like, oh, like I, I literally just finished and now I'm going to do that again in 10 hours. So the first like two weeks, I was kind of thinking like that. And I was like, how am I going to do three months of this? So it was kind of hard to see the end. But yeah, you just kind of go day, literally day by day. It sounds so cliche, but that's how I got through it. Um, you can't think about the next day or the next week. You literally just have to focus on that day, do what you have to do, and then sleep as best you can to take it on the next day. And when you were having some of your low moments, which I'm sure you must have had, 
um, many times during this during this journey. What were some of the ways or mental tricks you used to try to, you know, pick yourself up just so you didn't dwell on the negativity? Well, off the bat, I never told myself that I was going out this morning and running 40 miles because to me that was like, it was just too much to think about. So I would break it into chunks of five. And so I, you know, I'd run five and then every five miles I would eat a snack. So that was kind of just like a good marker. So like just in five miles, that's all you have to do. And then you'll eat and then just do it again. So for some reason that was easier for me uh, mentally just to take it on that way. And then honestly, like I just got a lot of encouraging messages from friends, family, strangers, um, and reading those, you know, throughout the day uh, motivated me to get it done. And, and then obviously CAF, you know, my whole goal is to raise funds and awareness for them. So, I mean, that was the main one, just, you got to do it for them. So a combination of all of that would get me through my low points. Is there a low point in particular that really sticks out in your mind? Uh, yeah, my Achilles injury The I did take one off day. Um, I, I was hesitant to do it, but um, as a team, we decided that it was completely necessary. We were in the middle of like nowhere, Arizona, and we drove two hours to Phoenix to get proper treatment from a doctor. So that was like my off day. And then we drove back that, that, um, afternoon. And that was tough because I didn't know how I was going to be the next day. Um, mentally, I felt better getting treatment from a professional and him telling me that it wasn't anything super serious. It was just like a little strain and that I would be able to run on it. It was just a matter of how my body would handle it. So it all turned out to be good. But at the same time, I was still a little worried about the future and how this would affect me uh, moving forward. But like I said, one day it just stopped hurting and it was a combination of doing exercises um, and then getting just massaged out and then my body just recovering. Yeah. And did you did you get to a point where you crossed a certain threshold where running, you know, 30, 35, 40 miles um, just wasn't as big of a deal? Like, I guess another way of me saying, did you feel like you got stronger as you went along? Yeah, I mean, in a way, I feel like I'm my body is weak right now. <laughs> like, I feel like I've lost a lot of like muscle because I wasn't strength training anymore. So in a way, I feel like I've lost muscle, but running got easier. So I think it was like somewhere in the second month where all the pain went away and running just really wasn't that hard and doing the mileage. I don't want to say it wasn't difficult because, you know, there were challenges, but yeah, there was a time where my body just kind of said, okay, like this is what we're doing every day. Um, let's do it. And let's talk about, you know, people who you'd be running with. How often were you joined by other people, uh, during this journey? Um, a handful of times. I want to say I ran with about six other people that weren't Whitney. Whitney would get out with me at the end of each day just to, you know, get her physical activity in and keep me company. 
Um, but yeah, we had about, I want to say like, yeah, six visitors that would come out and run with me. And that was, that was really fun just because you literally would just talk the entire time and just forget that you're doing 15 miles. Like it would just go by so quick. So that was really cool. And were these college friends or people you met through CAF or how, how did this come to be? Yeah. So CAF reached out to a couple people, um, that they thought that were in the area of, you know, where I was crossing and would be convenient to meet up. And then some people just messaged me, um, on Instagram and said, Hey, like, are you going through this town? Um, I'll be here. So at that point I would, if we were, I would hand them over to my mom who would kind of coordinate everything. And that's kind of how it came about. And then towards the end, you know, as I got closer to New York, then I had some old college teammates come out and stuff. But um, for the most part, it was just people who reached out to me via Instagram. Yeah, I can imagine what you got in Long Island. It must have been like, oh, my goodness, not only am I seeing people I know, but I'm so close to the end. I know. And I, I knew where I was the entire time. <laughs> so I knew like exactly what I was going to like see. And I was familiar with the area. So. Yeah, it was like so close, but so far for the last couple of days. How do you think this journey changed you? Um, well, I definitely think I did this at a good age. I think not that I needed to like find myself or anything, but I was uncertain of, you know, a couple of things in my life, just, you know, where I wanted to go next, um, like career wise and whatnot. So I had a lot of time to think obviously. <laughs> and yeah, so I kind of just feel like I grew as a person. Um, I spent a lot of nice time with my mom, which normally we wouldn't have had, you know, all that time just hang out. And it was something that we went through together. So that was really nice. Um, I don't really know exactly like one thing to tell you, but I think I just grew overall as a person and my eyes are just kind of a little bit wider now after seeing the country that way. Do you feel like you are committed or inspired to do more things like this in terms of like, you know, taking on huge challenges that seem beyond the scope of what, you know, most people think is possible? Uh, yes and no. Um, like for me, like something that would be very challenging for me is to do a triathlon. So that's kind of one of the things that I want to do. Um, I've never, like biked or swam really ever. So that's kind of next on my list. Um, but people do that all the time. <laughs> so, but I do want to, you know, I'm going to be involved with CAF for the rest of my life. Luckily, my family feels the same way about them as I do. So now we're all kind of getting on board, which is super exciting. So I think I will, you know, go above and beyond for them. And then, you know, I have these like other little things that I want to do just for myself. Um, but definitely like this run made me realize that I could do more, you know, to help others. Yeah. I mean, and, and it certainly shows what you're capable of doing as well. So just from a running perspective, I know you just mentioned triathlon. Do you feel like you have certain running goals or is this just one of those things where running wasn't really the point? The point was to do something big for some somebody else. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Run, I never, you know, did this to become a great runner and to, you know, excel in that sport. 
Um, it really was to challenge myself, make a point, um, so others would be drawn to the big picture of, you know, why I was doing it. And that's, you know, all for CAF. So, and I, I did that. Um, I surpassed my fundraising goal and it's still growing today. It's, um, I think around 62,000. So I'm really proud of that. And it just, yeah, it really makes me hungrier to, to want to do more and yeah, just be better for them. All right. So you have a website, milesbymolly.com. Is the fundraising link on there? It is. Yeah. So it's under the donate CAF tab. Great. Mm-hmm. I know it's also your Instagram URL as well. And we'll put it in the show notes. You know, your, the original goal was 50,000. Like you mentioned, you're at 62 already. And yeah, hopefully if people are interested, they can check out CAF and, and maybe get even some more money kicked in for, uh, for such a great cause. Yeah. It'd be amazing. <laughs> All right, Molly, thank you so much for coming on the show. One last question. If you were going to talk to somebody who was starting, um, you know, Maybe not the same, same journey that you did, but something that, that they viewed as big and challenging and they weren't sure, you know, they were a little, they were a little worried of whether or not they'd be able to, 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 to get it done. What words of encouragement would you give them? Um, I would say that if they're thinking about it, then obviously there's something in there that makes them think that they can do it. So run with that and. Just tell yourself that you can do it, but then also really educate yourself about what you're doing. So for me, that was, you know, hiring a coach. And once you have that base, um, I think that definitely helps you become more certain of yourself. Um, yeah, so I just say go for it and just really know what you're doing. And you'll in that you'll feel comfortable. Molly, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much again. Molly, thank you again for coming on the show. You can check out all things Molly by going to milesbymolly.com. On there, as she mentioned in this episode, you will also find her fundraising page. Go on there, donate through her to the Challenge Athlete Foundation. If you're listening to this, you know the power of athletics, you know the power of sports, and helping other people uh, participate in ways that you know, are just exciting and allow their body to do things that without the assistance of this wonderful foundation, they may not be able to participate or at least participate at the level that they know they're capable of. And you can be the difference to get them there. Thank you so much to all the sponsors, Tune Up CBD, Megaton Coffee, and Generation You Can. Couldn't do it without you as well. So thank you so much and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.